Well, good morning, church. Who knows that song? What is it? We are family. That's right. That's right. Some of you want to get up and dance, but restrain yourself this morning, right? So today I'm excited. I'm really excited about today because today, for four weeks, we're going to break from uh, John's series, and we're going to do a new series for four weeks, and it's called We Are. And the whole goal of this series is talking about who we are as a church and really what it means to be part of this family of believers. I was thinking about it this week that oftentimes when you think about church, even though it's wrong thinking, we think about a place, something to go to, but a family is something we what? Belong to. And I want this body of believers to always be a family. Can I get an amen on that? We want to be a family. And so today we're going to begin a series talking about what it means to be part of this family and who we are. Now let me tell you why this series is important for all of us in the room. First of all, maybe this is your first time here this morning or, or you've been new like the last couple of weeks and, and I want you to get a feel for who we are as a church, what motivates us, what drives us, who, who we are. And then maybe some of you in the room are here and you're like, hey Doug, I, I've been coming for a while and, and we're waiting for Discover Cross Life to happen so we can join the church and you've never taken that step yet to say, I want to be part of this family. Well, this series is going to serve that purpose for you. If you sit through all four weeks and make it all the way through, at the end of this, we're going to offer you an opportunity to join our church and to be a member because everything I'm covering is going to be part of what was in, or basically everything that was in Discover Cross Life. So you're not going to miss anything. So if you want want to join the church, this series is for you. And the reason we're doing it this way is because we spend so much time talking about being part of small group. And we felt like we really do want to pull people out of small group the first year to offer Discover Cross Life. So this series will serve that need. And then there's one more group in the room that this series is very important for us, maybe most important for us. And it's all of us that believe, belong, and are part of this family. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when we get in the middle of all that's going on in the life of a church, where that's the sale of the land or looking for some new land and looking to building, there's something about us that needs to be reminded, what is the main thing? And this series is going to remind us, in the face of all that's going on in the life of our church, all the great things that are going on, all the things that are coming up ahead, that despite all of that, that we never lose sight of the main thing. Amen? The main thing. So if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark. Because today, we are going to talk about that we are purpose-driven. <clears throat> what I mean by that is this. Is that we are a church that is driven by purpose. We are driven by purpose. Just put that up on the screen if you would, Caleb. We are purpose-driven. We are driven by that. Now, we are, what I mean by that is that we are driven as a church. We are driven by mission and vision. Let me tell you, you may not know this, but let me tell you what the mission of Cross Life Church is. Here's the mission. You ready? It's to, uh, to, to build lives that matter by leading people to love, know, trust, and follow Jesus. That's our mission. Our vision is similar. Our vision is to share the good news of Jesus everywhere we work, live, play, and go. So that is our vision and our mission. Now, at East Campus, we've simplified that into one phrase that many of you have assured on today that accentuate that phrase. And does anybody know what that phrase is? Love God and what? Love people. Love God and love people. Our, our entire ministry, our entire mission and vision for us as a campus is to love God and to love people. And I just want to say this to you this morning. It is not a slogan for us. 
It is our marching orders. Not because I came up with it, because it came from the words of Jesus himself. And so as we talk about loving God and loving people, and if you're new here, listen, that is not a slogan we throw around. It wasn't one we found on the internet thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Let's go with that one. No, no, that is our marching orders as an individual and our marching orders as a church. So today I want us to look deeply into those marching orders in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. Chapter 12, we're going to begin reading in verse 28. Mark 12, 28, says this. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, talking about Jesus, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? In Matthew's gospel, they say, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered and said this. The most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one and you shall love the lord your god with all of your heart with all of your soul with all of your mind and with all your strength and the second is this that you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these let's pray god we love you we thank you for this passage today lord and i pray for those that are new, those that are thinking about joining our church, and for those of us that are bought in, that you would allow today to be a day where we realize that these marching orders to love you and to love others is what drives us here. And that, God, it's not a slogan. It is our marching orders. So, God, may you help us look at this, and may this remind us of what our main thing is here at Cross Life Feast. God, we love you, and we bless you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we look at this passage, <clears throat> there are two things I want us to highlight just for a moment. The first thing I want us to highlight is the greatest commandment that Jesus gives. Let's go back to verse 29. Look what he says here. Jesus answered them, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, <coughs> and the Lord is one. Pause there. You don't see this in Matthew's gospel or Luke's gospel. You may have never heard this before. This is actually called the Shema. It's the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 4. Every Jewish person would have prayed this prayer twice a day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What was that prayer for a Jewish person? It was a prayer of devotion. It was our loyalties belong that there is one holy, sovereign, who God Almighty. There is only one. And we are dedicated to him. So Jesus starts his answer by acknowledging to all those around that there is devotion that belongs to one person. And that's God Almighty. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? One. Now Jesus also kind of under, under the radar here letting us know that this idea of oneness is also a picture of our trinity, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They are three persons, but they are what? One, and then Jesus lays out the greatest commandment. Here it is, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. He says, here's the first and greatest commandment, to love God. Now, if you were to study that phrase, here's what you would find out. The phrase actually means to be a lover of God. 
Now, Doug, what's the difference? Isn't that just semantics on words? No, no, no. To say that you love God is just words that exit your mouth. But to be a lover of God means that's the pursuit of your life. Do you see the difference? I can say I love a lot of people. I can say I love a lot of things. But if it's not reflected in the pursuit of my life, that is just hot air coming out of my mouth, isn't it? And so when Jesus says, love the Lord your God, to love God, here's what he's saying. I want you, greater than anything else, I want you to be a lover of God. I want the chief pursuit of your life to be loving God Almighty. Not just with your words, but with your lives. Now, Jesus understood that we would take that statement probably and go, that's marvelous, so how do we do that? And Jesus was kind enough to let us know. He said, first of all, we're to love God with all of our what? What's the first word he uses there? All of our what? Heart. All of our heart. Now, in the original Greek language, this word implies our bowels. It means, not to be gross, but it implies the depth of our inner being. So the heart, it reflects the center of our spiritual life. Our heart reflects the center of our moral activity. In our heart is where affections take place. In our heart is where we decide what is valuable and what is worthy and what has significance. In our heart is where convictions are developed. In our heart is where faith happens. In our heart is where we decide what we're going to be devoted to. And when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with with all of your heart, here's what he's saying. If you're going to love God with all of your heart, it requires unconditional devotion. Do we know what that looks like? Come on, church. Do we know what unconditional devotion looks like? I hope we do. Because I don't know about you, but so for so many of us, whether you, you know, you was with raising your kids and then being involved in different things, or are you pursuing a career path, there's always this tension in the world we live in to put other things before our love and a relationship with the Lord. And we can justify it however we want to, but anytime we put something on the throne of our heart that is not King Jesus, it is an idol. And he said, I want you to be a lover of God. And the way to do that is give him your unconditional devotion by giving him all of your heart. And I'm just telling you this morning, I know this because I've been there, I wrestle with being there sometimes. If we're really going to be a lover of God like Jesus is talking about, we've got to ask ourselves the question this morning, what are we devoted to? Are we devoted to the career over Christ? Are we devoted to athletics over Christ? Are we devoted to building our barns bigger for our money over Christ? What are we devoted to that has taken the number one seat in our life over Christ, and we have got to remove it this morning if we're going to be a lover of God? He says, love God with all of your heart, and then he says, with all of your soul. This is an interesting word in the Greek, but it literally means that the soul is a reflection of our emotions and our desires. That's what he's referring to here. So what is Jesus saying? I want you to love me with all your heart, unconditional devotion, but I want you to love me with all of your soul. In other words, I want you over everything else, I want you to desire something. I want you to desire to obey me. I want your obedience. I don't know about you, but I struggle with obedience sometimes. Anybody else struggle in the room with obedience? Three of you, great, right? So, so I do. <clears throat> 
Because I, I like where I think I'm headed. I like what I think I'm doing. I like the path that I've created. I like the scenario that I've created. I like what I've orchestrated. But th- there's something in us that's got to say the chief desire of my emotions, the chief desire of my life over everything else is to obey him. And so if we're going to love him like we're supposed to love him, it requires unconditional devotion with our heart. But it requires unconditional obedience with our souls. And here's what I mean. Many of you might be emotional people in the room. Like you watch that movie or someone says something that wasn't personal but you took it way personal. Listen, part of, part of loving our soul is reining our emotions in and moving them to desire obedience rather than anything else. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and then what? With all of your mind. And mind is talking about our understanding and our concept of God. I want you to love me with everything you know about me, and I want you to love me with everything that you can think about me. For example, so much of what we sang about a moment ago was about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, how God has been there for us, he is there for us, how he's worthy of all that we offer. And listen, those things that we understand and those things that we conceive about who God is and what he's about should drive our worship, shouldn't it not? I mean, how many of you know this morning that God is faithful? Let me see a show of hands. How many of you know that? Should that drive your worship if you know that? As we sing about the faithfulness of God, should that drive how much we engage in that moment? Sure it should. And so he says, well, I want you to move all of your mind. It doesn't mean just being an intellect. It means take everything you understand, every concept that you've been given of me through Scripture, and let it give you a heart to just adore me, to worship me. See, many people, when you think about your mind, you think about being intellectuals. And intellectuals, we come up with questions. We have, we have doubts. We have concerns. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's, ta- he's talking about taking everything we've learned, everything we know up here, and let it impact our heart to worship the Lord. Love me with your heart, soul, mind. And last of all, he says, and with your strength. Now, Jesus is not talking about to all you Hercules in the room, you know, lifting up stuff. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, I don't know if there's any Hercules, but if you think you are, that's not what he's talking about in the room, right? He's talking about all your resources. He says, with all of your strength. In other words, everything that's at your disposal, your abilities, your possessions, your talents, everything at your disposal, use it for him. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about unconditional surrender. Now listen, who gave you the possessions you have? Come on, who gave it to you? Sorry, not a trick question, who gave it to you? God, oh, that was not very convincing. Who gave you what you have? God did. Who gave you the abilities that you have? Who gave you the talents that you have? Everything that you have at your disposal, your resources, didn't come from you. It came from God, right? He's like, I want you to love me with all that. I want you to use all your resources, all your possessions, all your talents, and all your abilities to bring honor and glory to me. And so Jesus, this, this crowd that I'm sure must have been totally in tune with what he was saying, said, here's the greatest commandment. You ready? I want you to be a lover of God. And here's how you do it. 
with unconditional devotion by giving him your heart. With unconditional obedience by loving him with your soul. With a heart that to desire to worship him unconditionally by giving him your mind. And by total, unconditional surrender with all that you have. Listen to me, church. If we are going to love God the way Jesus talks about, it requires unconditional devotion, obedience, heart to worship, and surrender. Now, I want you to hear me say this. Those words of Jesus is what drives us around here. The words that Jesus just spoke is what drives us around here. It's, what, it's the words that he spoke that help us determine what, worship, what is worship going to look like on a Sunday morning. What songs are we going to sing? How are we going to navigate the service? What does the message look like? It's all driven by the words of Jesus to love the Lord our God. It's all, all, this phrase of Jesus drives everything we do around here. Our worship, the events that we plan, the decisions that we make are all driven by this simple truth. What can we do to bring people to a greater sense of devotion, obedience, worship, and surrender to the Lord? Everything. Listen, church, it is the lens for how we do ministry right here. And it should be the lens for how we live our lives. Amen? But then Jesus says something else, secondly, and you know it. In verse 31, he says the second greatest commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there's no commandment greater than these. I just thought for a moment as I was studying why second? I know what you're going to say, because we should love God first, because you go back to the Ten Commandments, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. But is it possibly there's more to it than that? Is it possible that what Jesus is trying to communicate to those listening and to us today, that you'll never get the second one right if you don't get the first one right? You will never love people the way that we are called to love people if we first aren't loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we're not doing that right, church, we will never love people the way God has called us to love people, as a church or as individuals. And then I thought, okay, well, many of us, and in Matthew's gospel, they ask this question, okay, Jesus, who is our neighbor? Now, who is our neighbor? Somebody said, everybody, right? It's, every, it's everybody. It's everyone. Now, why would he say it that way? Because he wanted us to know that there is no discrimination. It doesn't matter a person's race. It doesn't matter their social status. It doesn't matter their culture. That this good news, that this love is to be demonstrated to everybody, right? To everyone is to receive that kind of love. Listen, I don't know about you, but I can be pretty messed up sometimes, but God still loves me. People still show me love. And he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. After you love me with everything you've got, here's the second greatest one. Love your neighbor who is everybody. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is a very interesting phrase, as yourself. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and go, man, I love myself. Anybody ever done that? I don't, I, I don't normally do that. If you do, maybe that's good, good for you. But I don't think most of us in the room will look in the mirror and go, man, you are one sharp cookie. I don't think we would do that. So what does Jesus mean? He means we are to love others as we want to be loved. Can I tell you how you want to be loved? Can I tell you? Here's how you want to be loved. You want to be loved by people 
pouring into you saying that you matter and that you're significant and that you're important. You want to be loved by people showing you honor and respect. You want to be loved by people showing you compassion. So when you do blow up, man, they know your story, they know your junk, and like, man, you know what? I, I get it. I can sympathize with them. I can empathize with them. You want people to be compassionate toward you. You know what else, how else you want to be loved? You want people to forgive you, right? And so here's what Jesus is saying. We need to recognize the humanity of people and be willing to love them with the same compassion the same forgiveness, and the same respect that we want to be loved with. Ouch. Right? Because what I want is big. What I offer sometimes is not so big. And Jesus is simply saying this, once you love me with everything you got, I want you to love your neighbor as you yourself want to be loved. And let me just tell you, loving people is a part of our mission that drives decisions we make around here. That's why we talk about around here that serving is not a part of what we do, it's a part of who we are. That it is part of our DNA that we would serve each other, that we would serve our community, because we've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it hundreds of times, we most look like Jesus when we are serving. And that's why serving is important for us. Why? Because it is showing love to a lost and a broken world. And loving God and loving people is what drives everything we do around here. Every decision we make, everything we decide to do, everything is driven. That is the lens that we put on before we do anything. And it should be the lens we put on as a believer before we do anything. Why? Because look what Jesus said there at the very end. He said, there are no other commandments greater than these. In fact, I like what Matthew said better. Matthew said, all the law and the prophets hinge on these two. Meaning, everything that you read in Scripture, every promise of God, every bit of the will of God hinges on two things. Here it is. Love God and love people. It all hinges on that. And I just want you to know, whether you're brand new here or you're thinking about joining our church or you've been around here for a while, that as a church, this is what drives us, loving God and loving people. It is the main thing for us. Selling land, buying land, building a building, not the main thing. The main thing is that we as a body of believers would love God and love people. And if you agree with that, would you shout amen? amen. Man, I hope that is your heart this morning because that is this pastor's heart. And that's who we are. And here's what I want to say to you. As a church, that drives us. But does that drive you as an individual? See, here's what I, I've learned in my ministry, in my life. If we're going to be a church that loves God and loves people, we've got to first be individuals who love God and love people. Because guess what? People make the church, right? So I want to ask you this morning, how much do you really love God? Is it with your words or is it with the pursuit of your life? If we looked into your life, is it evident in your devotion to God? Is it evident in your obedience to God? Is it evident in your worshiping Lord? Is it evident in your surrender of all that you have? Is it evident that you really love God? Or is it just words that are exiting your mouth? And maybe this morning, we all need to take a hard look in our lives. And you know what? 
here's an area where I'm struggling. Maybe it's not devotion. Maybe it's that obedience. Maybe it's not obedience. Maybe it's my worship. Maybe it's not worship. Maybe it's taking all that I have and giving to the Lord. Whatever I'm struggling with. And I need to make a new commitment to the Lord. I need to acknowledge my struggle as a believer and say, Lord, today I'm committing to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So how much do you love the Lord this morning? And if you're struggling in any one of those areas we mentioned, would you repent of that and make a new commitment to the Lord? And second question I want to ask you is, do we really love others? Don't just say yes. Do we really love other people? Do we really have a heart to serve and to demonstrate the love of God to those that we are surrounded by? And if not, would you ask God to change you from the inside out this morning? So today, here's what I want to ask us to do. I'm going to ask all of us, would you just take some inventory of your own heart this morning? Would you ask yourself the hard question? Maybe you're here this morning, and you're like, man, I, I don't have a love relationship with the Lord. Today, you can have one. Today, if you will just surrender your life and say, Jesus, come in to be the boss and master, forgive me my sins, he will do that, and he will change your eternity from a place called hell to a place with him in heaven forever. But for the rest of us that are believers in the room, would you take inventory and ask yourself, am I as devoted as I ought to be? Am I as obedient as I ought to be? Does my worship reflect as a reflection of my heart as it should be? Am I surrendering all that I have? And am I loving people the way that I am called to love people? And if not, repent of that. Turn from that and ask God to do a work in your life. Why? Because here's why. Because these two things drive us as a church. And they should drive us as followers of Jesus. Amen? Let's all stand together if you would. Everybody stand with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed.